Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hello, and thank you so much for listening in. I am super excited about this episode today. We will be talking about happiness. But before I get to that, I just wanted to give a quick thank you for those of you who continue to share this podcast. If you like what you hear today, if you can do me a favor and take a screenshot and text it to a friend, email it to a family member, or share it out on social media. That helps so much. You sharing this podcast is the way it gets listened to the most, truly. So you you really matter. And I'd also thought it'd be fun to hear a review. We haven't heard one for a while. As you know, my goal this year is to reach 500 ratings and reviews. And right now we're at 132. This is the latest uh, review that was left by The Fife Life. And they say, this podcast is gold. I love the variety of people Monica interviews. I feel like I'm learning how to become better in my own life from listening to this podcast. I'm a new stay-at-home mom, and I've loved listening as I get things done around the house. So educational, insightful, and uplifting. Thank you, The Five Life. That really, really helps. You know, the way that the algorithm works on, on um, iTunes and the podcast app that is on um, iPhones is that the more a podcast is rated and reviewed, 
the higher it gets in the algorithm. And so when people are searching for like-minded podcasts, they find this one. And we need that, you guys, because we need those numbers to keep going. And I and I want to keep going for sure. And I've been doing this for long enough that um, I'm not going to go anywhere anytime soon. I would love for more people to hear what we talk about and the interviews we have each Wednesday. Let's turn to our topic today. I want to talk about happiness. So I'm going to start this by asking you a question. Are you happy? Now I feel like a lot of people, if they were asked that point blank face to face with someone, even if it was a close friend or a family member or just an acquaintance, they would feel uncomfortable. They would have a hard time answering that. And I I was just thinking about that the other day, how silly that is, that that is a hard question for us to answer. We overcomplicate, overthink happiness. We put so much value on what it's supposed to look like and what we think it is supposed to be in our minds that it's hard for us to evaluate that in our own lives and answer that easily. Also, we have this thing in society where it's kind of seemed um, inappropriate or weird if you were to outright be like, oh, yes, I'm so happy. Like, we have to say, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. And so just owning, like, yeah, I'm happy. Or we have to say, no, we're doing fine, when you're really like, no, I'm not happy. So on either side of the spectrum, it's hard for us to answer that honestly, socially. So I want to talk about happiness today because... It's been on my mind a lot. Um, a few weeks ago, I gave a, a church talk on it and um, more about joy, which we're going to use on another episode. But I wanted to first talk about happiness because that is the thing that we so often hear people talking about. When you think of your goals, is one of them to be happy? When you think of what you want for your children or your loved ones, do you, you often think, I just want them to be happy. I was listening to an Oprah Soul conversation, and if you haven't heard that podcast, you definitely need to check her out, but I am a huge Oprah fan, so I'm very biased in that regard, but Oprah was sharing about how after each episode, she would take the time to talk to the audience, to get to know them a little bit better. She wanted to know what was going on in their lives and what they were struggling with and what they wanted, and every single time, she would ask people, what do you want? They would say, I just want to be happy. Well, folks, that is the main goal for us all, but I want to talk about some beef I have with that goal. Why is it that we think happiness has to be something off in the future, something we build up to or earn or gain? Why isn't it something that we can work on right now and feel right now? Even if we don't feel happy, why can't we say and and strive to feel that happiness. Now I'm going to talk more about that. That seems really complicated. So first let's start with how we often hinge our happiness on our circumstances. Happiness is too often sought out with things that won't truly make us happy. Some circumstances that we want to arrive at, whether that is a lower weight, a better job, or a spouse who is more involved Perhaps a bigger house, children who are more obedient, or maybe having more money, 
Maybe it's circumstance with less stress. Maybe it's a circumstance of getting over your depression. I'll be happier when. We, we don't really admit that we are hinging our happiness on our circumstances. We put so much stake on happiness that I think we lose the whole point. That happiness has to be formed in the here and now. Or else you will never arrive. You will never arrive at happiness. If it's not something you are focusing on feeling and developing and cultivating in your life today, you will never feel happiness when you get to that lower weight or better job or a bigger house or more money and less stress. So we can't hinge our happiness on our circumstances. And a good example we know of why this will never work is the famous people that we see out in the news, celebrities, uh, really successful athletes, successful business people who have arrived. They've reached their big goals. They've become very wealthy. They are at the top of their field. And yet these people still often wind up in rehab or they lose all their money because they think if I spend it here, or I spend it there, I will feel happy. Or if I help this person or that person, but they don't arrive at that happiness. Their circumstances have not created that happiness for them. In fact, a lot of people I think get more miserable when they arrive at where they think happiness will show up. My husband is really into sports and we don't have cable, but every time we go to visit my folks in Utah, he loves to watch the 30 and 30 program on ESPN. And I watched one with him on basketball players who uh, arrived at massive amounts of wealth and just the stories of how they lost it quickly. And, and, and it just showed me that the happiness that they thought they would have didn't come because of the success or the money. And it won't come for me if I have more obedient children, which is totally on my list of things like I will feel happier when, um, as, as is the, the money thing. I'm like most of you, I, I definitely feel stressed about that. I think people who are really wealthy feel stressed about their money too. So I know it's not going to arrive. Let's think about this on a smaller scale. Maybe not necessarily really famous, um, successful athletes or business people or celebrities. Let's think about it on a smaller scale. I want you to think about one of your friends that has something you really want. So for me, I think about someone I know whose children seems to be, seem to be fairly easy and just were born really good and, and obedient. And I think about that person and I have to ask myself, are they happier than me or are they happier naturally just because of their circumstance with their children? And for me, that answer is no, they're not. Actually, they really deal with a lot of anxiety. They deal with a lot of unhappiness. They're not any happier than me because of that circumstance. And I think that's because they see all the things that they lack. They have their happiness staked on other circumstances for the future that they have not arrived at. Or maybe they're not aware of how to cultivate that happiness in the here and now. So they too don't necessarily feel happier because of the circumstance that looks so good in my eyes. 
So we've talked about circumstance. Now I want to talk about hinging our happiness on others. Now, I know that if you've listened to any of the podcast interviews I've done on other um, podcasts, I've shared that my transition to my third kid was so, so, so hard. And that was a lot of because of my circumstances. Yes, because my older two kids were still like my oldest was still three when the youngest was born for just a few days. So it was basically three under four because she turned four pretty quick. But my older two kids were were just really, really struggling. They had very big, intense needs that I struggled to meet. One, because they were so different from each other. And two, because they were so intense of needs that I was spread way too thin. I felt ill-equipped to manage their needs and take care of them. And so for that first year after I had my third child, I really, really lost myself. I was so, so not myself. I was struggling intensely. I was behaving in a way as a parent that I never thought I would. And that wasn't me at all. I just wasn't in control. I wasn't centered. Um, And I finally figured out it's because each moment of the day, my happiness depended on my children. I had put my happiness on their behavior. And I realized that I couldn't put my kids in that position any longer. I couldn't make them in charge of my happiness. That it was unfair of me to place the burden of my mental well-being on my children. I learned that I had to build that happiness up within myself. That it was up to me that regardless of the people in my life, that the most important people in my life even, I had to own that happiness myself. It was my responsibility and no one else's. Now, you might do this with your children, yes, if you have them, or you might do that with a spouse or a, a loved one in your life or even a colleague, people who can ruin your day every day, you know, at work. This is the same for all of us. So just as it's not good for us to hinge our happiness on our circumstances and what we want in the future or some future lofty goal, we also can't put the burden of our happiness on people, on other people. So I want to share what I did to take back that responsibility and how I built up that happiness Now, if you're new here, I had a campaign called Do Something. It was short for Do Something That Scares You. This is how I started. I did something that scared me. I took one of my, oh, I want to do this dreams off the back burner, and I started it. And it was really silly and dumb. It was a blog, which very few people read. But you know what? I had thought about it for years, and that was something that scared me and intimidated me. I had excuses for eight years of why it would never be a good thing to do. And I started it. That was my do something. And that eventually trickled down to so many areas of my life. I mean, it was small things. Like I took ballet classes again. Or I went to the swimming pool and learned how to swim, which I now need to get back on the horse. <laughs> and I am scared. So that will be my first do something of 2018. But From big to small things, it trickled down. I did something that scared me, 
But why that made me happier is because it fulfilled me. It challenged me. So in a weird way, being challenged, challenging myself helped me fill up my well of happiness. It gave me confidence. It gave me more security. So even if the days were really hard and long with my kids, I still knew that, hey, I had done this hard thing or that I had this little hobby just for me on the side. And in time, that that translated to this podcast, which I started the first year of my blog too. So this has now been going on for a year and a half. And this podcast has been my biggest do something of all. And it's blessed my life in more ways than I know how to describe. You know, from the people that I've interviewed and what I've learned from them, but more from how it stretches me and challenges me and in the weirdest way also fulfills me. Has it been stressful? Yes. <laughs> Has it cost me money and time? Yes. But it's instilled a level of happiness I was missing in my life before that. So my first challenge to you is to do something. Do something that challenges you, that makes you afraid, but that you have wanted to do or needed to do. Sometimes it can be just a conversation that you need to have with somebody. And I promise you, if you do something that scares you from big to small, very small, even just like a little workout class you've always wanted to try, it will have a trickle down effect in your life. It will impact your happiness. And I think what we have to do is the next step that I tried to work on is recognizing those moments where I was feeling fulfilled, recognizing the choices that I made and owning those choices and doing that made it so I was also happier. So let me give you an example of that. You know, being home with my kids was a choice I made. But I wasn't owning that choice because before I was placing my happiness on my children and their behavior each day, it was an impossible void to fill that happiness. But as I learned to own my choices, to choose my choices and really own that, that's what I wanted, that changed everything. Now, Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife talked about this in one of my episodes, and I'll link to that in the show notes. I believe it was the second episode we did together about goodness. When you own your life and your choices, you're able to better feel that goodness inside of you and then share it with with others. And to me, that translates to happiness. So for me, owning that, yes, in fact, I did want to be home. I could make other choices. I could go back to work. I, I could have other people be the primary child caregivers. My husband and I could work out something. Who knows? But in the end, I knew, nope, this is actually what I want. I do want to be home with them. Even though they are really struggling and their needs are so great, I want to be the one to care for that every day, all day. And when I made that conscientious decision to own that choice, it freed up so much of the angst and pressure of it. I could choose that choice in a moment when one was falling apart or the other needed me to be on insurance for hours a day to just try to get some some help. So owning that choice made the stress of it so much so much less meaningful in my life. The the choice outweighed the stress and that was happiness. So Two, owning your life. So I've got one, do something that scares you. Two, 
owning your life and your choices. Now, the third one is, I've mentioned it, is recognizing what happiness looks like. Happiness to me is not feeling light all the time. It's not feeling carefree. It's not feeling 100% fulfilled or that everything in my life is okay. That's why I think people have a hard time answering that question, are you happy? Because they think, oh, it has to be all those things like 100%. No, happiness is fulfillment. Happiness is living your purpose, even if it's imperfect. Happiness is making progress. It, that's why I've named this whole blog about progress, because guys, I really believe that working on yourself and progressing in your life makes you happier, even if you quote unquote fail. Now, this example is a good example. This podcast is a good example of that as well, because in many ways, it's not like a super successful podcast. I don't get tens of thousand listeners. I don't have, po- I don't have tons of sponsors knocking on my door. I don't make any money unless I'm pitching my own services or my hair products that I sell and work to sell. But it's successful for me because of the progress I've seen in my own life and how it challenges me. So recognize better what happiness looks like in your life. Get away from the black and white thinking there. Happiness does mean you can still be stressed and sad. You can still be happy and angry sometimes or really overwhelmed. You can still find those feelings of happiness. So for me, when I transitioned to our fourth kid five weeks ago, um, I wanted to share what the difference was between my third because I've been trying to do those three things. I've been trying to do something that scares me. I've been trying to own my choices and I've been trying to recognize that happiness and what it really looks like for me. The transition to my fourth has been way better. And guys, it's also been just as stressful. I mean, we've had huge, huge things happen that I'm going to share in my episode on joy. The last few months have been honestly, if I'm really thinking about it, the most stressful of my entire life. Um, I'll share more about the why there in my episode on joy coming up next month, but just know the stress has been real and the needs have been real in my family and my life and the financial stresses, all of that have been there, but I am doing so much better than I was with my third. My husband has been really sweet and he calls and checks on me every day while he's at work, which is something we didn't really do before. And he's doing that to make sure I'm okay. And, you know, I can tell him, yeah, our house is a total circus or this kid is so being like, just so, so naughty, won't listen to me at all. Or, oh man, this kid is really upset and overwhelmed or everything's out of control and chaos. Our house is a complete disaster. Hey, but you know what? I'm actually doing okay. You know, I'm doing well. You know, it's almost surprised him. And I think it's surprised me that I'm like, yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, things are good. I mean, they're hard, but they're good. Guys, that's happiness. Happiness is hard, but good. So what is that in your life that is hard, but good? How can you use that as a seed? And how can you grow that seed into a better, bigger, fulfilling happiness? So let's talk about what might be an elephant in the room for you, depression. How can someone who is suffering with depression choose happiness? Now, I am going to say this not lightly. You can. You can. 
If you are depressed, if you are anxious, you can choose happiness. Okay, let's respond to the, the pushback that I know might be happening in your minds. I, I know, I know what it is to be depressed, like clinically, thoroughly suicidal depressed. I know that. And I know the smaller rounds of it too, the lighter rounds of depression that still creep up for me all the time. I know anxiety. I know panic. I know all of those things. Now I'm telling you that you can still choose happiness. I'm not saying that you can choose your depression to go away. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that you can choose your anxiety to go away or the stresses of your life that you can just choose it and poof, they'll disappear. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that despite your struggles, you can choose to progress. You can choose to challenge yourself, even if that's challenging yourself to get out of bed, which I know that what that's like. But you can choose what happiness can look like in your life. Now, that's what I've been talking about. It doesn't mean you're happy-go-lucky, Pollyanna, bouncing off the walls happy. It can mean that you are doing the routines of self-care in your life that lead to you being able to manage your depression better. That, to me, is choosing happiness. So when I struggle with that, when I'm having a round of feeling depressed or when I notice those clouds coming in, which they have, they have when I've been pregnant, I deal with that usually. I usually have some antepartum depression because I'm just so overwhelmed and worried and anxious and the runaway brain is going on, you know, the runaway train of my mind. But I know that if I am choosing to still act the part of happiness, I'm choosing to still do the things that lead to me feeling better, such as getting out of bed, such as reading books to my children such as having very limited time on social media, such as exercising, those things will gradually pull me out of it or they will still at least help me manage my emotions better, my depression better. So even if you are in a terrible circumstance, maybe you are in a terrible relationship. I don't think choosing happiness means you choose that relationship, by the way. But I do think that you can choose actions that will in time lead to greater fulfillment and and do away with the hard circumstance you are facing that will lighten your load. It will make it easier for you to bear what is on your shoulders. So I hope nobody mistakes that. I'm not saying, nope, just choose it and the depression will go away. I'm not saying that, but I do hope you get my meaning that you can still be depressed and choose to strive for happiness each day, not in a shameful, guilt-ridden way, but a way that's going to help you survive what you are going through better. Now, I want to share an example of someone in my life who not necessarily has struggled with depression at all, but who has owned their life in so many ways that they've been able to um, own their happiness. So my mom, my mom has a naturally happy disposition. My mom admits that her gift of happiness is a gift, that it's not something, I mean, it's not something that she feels she was born with, but I had to disagree with her because my mom is not necessarily a Pollyanna bouncing off the walls, always laughing, cheerful, happy, bubbly. No, my mom is realistic. My mom is blunt when she needs to be. My mom will fight like a dragon for her kids. Some of the funny stories I can tell about that are pretty amazing. She does not shrink back from life. 
and her responsibilities. So let me tell you why I think though my mom says, even when I'm sad, I wake up happy. And this is why I think that's the case for my mom, because she owns her life. She had seven children who are very, very different. She had a really amazing husband, my dad, that's still present, he's still alive, who who had a really demanding career and responsibilities at our church. So he was not home as much as he wanted to be. And she had to shoulder huge burdens, huge burdens of caring for all our children. She never, ever, ever complained about that. And she still doesn't. And I think a large part of why she can feel happy, even when she feels sad, even when there's so much pressure and stresses, even when her children are facing impossible situations, is because she owns the life she lives. She wants it to be that way. And she accepts the people in her life for who they are. She does not stake her happiness on anybody in her life. And she does a wonderful job of progressing every day in her life. My mom is an avid runner. She's an avid reader. She's an avid seamstress. She crochets constantly. She's never without doing something that feeds her soul. And I think doing that allows her to feed so many souls around her. So that's a huge example in my, in my life of someone who chooses happiness every day. And like she said, even when she's sad, she can feel happy. And I've thought about that often, that that's how I want to be. Even when the stresses in my life are intense, even when the stresses in my life are intense, that I can still be like my mom and choose happiness and choose to progress towards that. So I mentioned that next time I want to talk about joy. Happiness is different than joy in my mind. Joy is a lot deeper. It's happiness practice long term. And I think joy is more of on a spiritual level. Joy is more of a perspective level. It's driven by perspective you gain. It's driven by agency too. So I will be talking more about joy next month. So look forward to that. And I wanted to just tell you a little bit more about coaching. I had shared a few episodes ago that I am now offering my coaching services. I'm actually going to record my first session with my first client this coming Monday, and she has been so kind to agree for me to air that coaching session, so you will be able to hear what that looks like. But let me tell you the who I want to coach and the why. Who I want to coach. Women who feel lost. Women who are intelligent, resourceful, who once had big goals and dreams or successes and achievements, but now they feel lost. Maybe they have dreams or goals on the back burner, even if they're small ones, but they are held back by their responsibilities, by their fears, by not having the know-how of how to progress in their own lives, or because they don't remember who they are anymore. Those are the women I want to coach. What I want to do is help you. I'm talking to you as if you're one of those women now. What I want to do is to help you discover yourself again, to discover your passions, to help you get unstuck, to help you own your life and your choices, and to better own your gifts. And then we will work together on cultivating your happiness 
by doing something in your own life that's going to help rewire your brain. The the pathways of your brain can be rewired. There's so much science on that and I feel like I've lived it. So I will guide women to get unstuck and to move towards discovering their gifts and owning their, their gifts and owning their goals and to make real progress and find more fulfillment in their lives. This doesn't need to be someone who's like, I want to write the most important novel of all time. This doesn't need to be someone who's like, I'm ready to start a huge business, but it can be those things, but it can be someone who's just like, I want to find more fulfillment as a stay-at-home mom. I want to figure out what my gifts are as a stay-at-home mom, or I want to know what my gifts are as a single woman who is, who is doing my career that maybe I didn't choose you know, I just want to help women who feel lost for whatever reason, that the side of themselves that they used to know and love is, is maybe gone. Now, how do I know I can coach these people? Because I've lived it. For one, I have lived it. And I was in the trenches for many, many years of feeling lost or unfulfilled or like I was drowning or that I wasn't sure what my gifts were or how to move forward with them or how to help others because I don't know how to help myself. I have lived it. But also I have a lifetime of feeling prepared for this. I have been in some way, form or another, been a mentor my entire life. And I don't mean to make that be something that I'm bragging about. I don't mean it that way. I just mean somehow I, I've been put in that position a lot, whether it was helping mentor fellow flute students when I was in junior high and teach them how to play the flute, whether it was just leadership responsibilities in high school, maybe, um, or it was a, as a, an official mentor, that was my job in college. And then as a teacher, and then in small ways with friends and all that, I've my whole life loved helping people. I've loved connecting with them. The reason I think I can mentor people is because I've been where they are. So some way or another, I have mentored people and I feel like this is what a coach does. And I feel like I know I can do that. So this coaching is my next do something, you guys. It's what I feel called to do next. And it's scary. It's intimidating. I don't have all the know-how. Certainly not. I have never done it before officially in that capacity, but I feel the calling towards it. I have been feeling it for a while and it's time for me to do my something now and to move forward and see where it takes me because my blog took me somewhere I didn't expect to this podcast and this podcast is now taking me somewhere where I didn't expect, which is coaching. So I hope you see that I'm not flouting myself as an expert, but someone who's been there and someone who does have the tools and skills to help you through it. And I know I am capable of that. I do know I have those skills. So I'm looking forward to sharing more of those coaching sessions, but also I'm looking forward to sharing more of my thoughts. I've done that. I've tried to do that every month. I've been sharing a particular topic, but um, it will sound more like this now, and I hope you like it. So we are now in the new era of About Progress. We will be having um, once a month one of these kind of episodes where I share something I want to talk about or teach about. And then we'll have episodes where I still interview people and we learn from them. And then we'll have episodes where I share a coaching session. 
I am excited about this future. It's been on my, it's been on my plan, my agenda for months, and I am ready to move forward. And I hope you will join me. And if you do, and if you like what you hear, share this far and wide, you guys, I know I said this at the beginning, but I can't emphasize enough that you matter. The episodes that I've had the most listens were shared the most. And I know that makes sense. Like it's kind of like a duh, Monica, of course, the, the most, the more that they're shared, the more they're listened to. But, but really it, I, I need you to do that. Um, if you like it, share it so we can keep this going. I've really enjoyed doing this episode today and I'm looking forward to doing more similarly in the future. I wanted to share quickly about next Wednesday's episode. It will be an interview with Rachel Nielsen. She is a good friend of mine. We made friends over the internet. We've never even met in real life, but we've had a lot of similar circumstances, except the one that she is going to be talking about. She's going to be talking about trauma in childhood and how it can affect you as an adult. She had some trauma with her mother having cancer for most of her childhood and then passing away when she was 19 years old. And so she shares about how some of those uh, traumas or situations that she was in has affected her as an adult and how we can recognize maybe what we experienced as a childhood and how it's affecting us as adults and then move forward despite them or because of them. So next Wednesday is that episode with Rachel. And until then, take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.